Pete. Uh, welcome to Software Ash on Design Talk. My name is Donald and I'm joined today on the team by Oshin. Hi, how's it going? Hello, I'm Daisy. Hi, I'm Joe. Welcome to our Software Design Talk. And uh, we have uh, three guests with us today. Uh, Alex Morin, who's the IT Director at Hibernian Healthcare Limited. Uh, Vinicius Vargas, Software Development Engineer at Amazon Web Services. And Matthias Freganassi, the software engineering tech lead at Verison uh, Connect. Uh, so we're going to run through a series of questions here. So Alex, if I could start with you um, on the topic of conflict resolution, what suggestions would you have for managing conflict resolution within a project team or an organization? Um, I've been kind of lucky in that I haven't had to really deal with any conflict till this point, but I would kind of try to understand where the affected parties are coming from so what their kind of issue is or what the conflict is about and then trying to understand what caused the issue if there was a, an outside cause and then seek to find either middle ground or uh, help the two parties come to an understanding and try to work past it. Okay, very good, thank you. And uh, Vinicius, would you have any thoughts on the same question? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So I think the Two, two phases of this question. So the, the first one is think more about internal um, uh, internal conflicts um, on, on a team or, or even on the same organization. I think um, the, the most important thing is that we, in, in order to to avoid this kind of uh, conflict, we need to we need to be able to create a, a safe space where everyone is um, allowed and encouraged to to give opinions, especially on on an industry and uh, or, or, or in a field where we we have a lot of egos and it's sometimes people can be kind of scared to to give opinions and to uh, especially if they they are kind of um uh, they they are they're not uh promptly validated by senior leaders um so i think it's it's more most important thing is to be able to create a safe space uh where everyone can be heard um and I mean, uh, this 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 can be done by like just bringing people to uh, to uh, design sessions, bringing people to uh, to the convers strategic conversations, um, and not just uh, uh, like inviting people, uh, inviting c either senior leaders or uh, inviting uh, managers and stuff. I think this this is the the first thing. Um, I think it gets a bit more complicated when we talk about different organizations. Um, uh, or, or different teams, um, depending depending on how your uh, your company is organized, um, because usually they have different stakeholders. But I think uh, when it comes to that, um, the most important thing is to, to think back to customers and what customers uh, want, especially when you're dealing with a project that um, depends on uh, the collaboration of many teams. So thinking back to customers and uh, trying to make the case of what is going to be the best case for the customers and not for for uh, for individuals or, or for, the, for a specific team. I think that's that's a, the most important thing. It, more, more of on a, on a technical uh, side of things because like the, the, like the, all of these are are, very, are good intentions, but but I think the most important thing is uh, just have your priorities clearly organized, clearly aligned, clearly uh, like leadership knowing exactly what needs to be prioritized on top of what um because uh, otherwise it, this conversation can be very very complicated and very frustrating for all peers 
Excellent. Yeah, very good. Thanks for that, Jan. I, I think some common themes that we're hearing there are kind of inclusion and offering a safe space, uh, making sure that there's kind of transparency across the, the organization as to what direction you're headed in. Uh, Matthias, can I put the same question to yourself? And uh, I just repeat it there, you know, in terms of managing conflict resolution within a project team or an organization, what suggestions would you have? Yeah, so first I'd like to say that a certain degree of conflict in healthy levels can be beneficial for teams and organizations because I think it promotes engagement, discussions on quality, innovation, things like that. But of course, like I mean, a healthy conflict can happen. And I guess the best way to resolve this type of conflict is to employ a neutral mediator that should be responsible for listening to both parties, understanding points of views and facilitating the understanding because it's pretty common that conflict emerges uh, because of communication gaps, especially now like uh, with teams working remotely. Yeah, absolutely understood. And, and you're completely right to, to kind of hit on that point around the remote working and, and the hybrid workplace. So I'm going to hand over to Oshin here to, to ask the next question. Hi, how's it going everyone? Oshin here. Yeah, so um, Matthias, how do you manage continual learning or personal development within an organization? Would be mostly independent or as a team? Yeah, so uh, I believe in a balance of learning as a team and independently on company time, on your own time. Of course, companies should create environments and provide resources for their employees to extend their learning. And any organization that deem uh, themselves as a learning organization should do that, right? But individuality is also a big factor. And in the end, uh, I guess, one's career is their own responsibility too, right? Yeah, exactly. So I suppose it's kind of your personal responsibility and then you should have opportunities uh, within the organization. Alex, uh, can I put the same question to you? Yeah. Um, so I would agree with uh, Matt in that it should be kind of a, a hybrid between the two options because there's there's definitely a lot of things that an individual will want to learn or maybe interested in learning where not everyone on your team would want to learn the same thing, or you may have a team that have different skill sets. So part of your team may already know the thing that the person is trying to learn on their own. So I definitely go with trying to achieve both at the same time. So you'd have some element of individual learning where the person may decide, Oh, I want to learn how to do X and then you'll help them learn that or you'll start providing them options or materials on how to learn that and then when you're kind of trying to progress as a team you try and bring it all together so that everyone is trying to learn something new for the team or learning how to do how to work in a different process and how you bring that to the team and then everyone is learning a new skill together so you know that everyone will have the same base level for doing something and then the individual themselves may still be learning how to do X as they were on their own, but at least you've got that dynamic of not forcing everyone just to learn the same thing all the time. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned there at the start where kind of you might end up kind of going your own route and doing something. Do you find that companies are supportive of kind of personal kind of independent learning or what's your experience? Um, I mean, yeah, it would be great to say that every company wants everyone to learn to be better but there's definitely a lot of companies where that's not the case. Um, what I try to prove in our company is that anyone can learn to do anything. And um, so if it's something that the person is interested in learning, I want to try and help them be able to learn that or have the time or option to go and learn how to do something. Um, so that's definitely where I'd come from. Good stuff. Thanks. Um, and Vinny, uh, what are your thoughts on the subject? 
yeah, so I think that that, that to to again to to fit up of the first. So I think the, the first one, like uh, how 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 do you make everyone on a team uh, up to speed on on, on specific uh, technology or specific uh, concepts? Um, and because uh, what what I observed, um, especially working on on this industry for a while, is that it's very easy to to create silos over um, over specific services. So you usually have a couple of people um, that are very good at one specific service, and they uh, they become the the experts on, on this. So um, it it can it can be quite it can be interesting uh, on, from the standpoint of uh, no have, having people that are um, experts on something, but it actually uh, but it also hurts. Um, it, it also hurts uh, like the like the spread of knowledge of. Um, of, of the services within the team. So I think um, it's like breaking silos is something that we're constantly trying to, to, to uh, work for and not, not, not allowing silos to happen. Um, one way to uh, achieve this um, is, and it's, it can be very, very basic, but it's something that is working for us. Um, so during our code reviews, we usually have um, two people reviewing the code before it gets shipped. Um, so uh, usually uh, people that are uh, review so on our case we we, we have um, people that are uh, have a bit more expertise in, in operation in creating infrastructure other people that are a bit better on uh, dealing with services um, but we try to bring both and try to um, merge the uh, like the knowledge from from within within the services it's not easy but it's um, uh, it's it's something that we're trying to do. Um, apart from that, like uh, not dealing exactly with knowledge that is uh, like completely necessary for for a job, but it's but it's knowledge that it's good to have. So we have a few initiatives that we we try to to make. So um, every now and then uh, we choose uh, a person from our team just to talk about a, a topic that they feel like it's it's interesting. Uh, so we just uh, spend an hour. Uh, on on listening to to the topic and uh, asking questions. Um, another good uh, another good initiative is that we try to have hackathons at least uh, once every two months. Uh, so people have whatever crazy ideas that people uh, uh, have and they want to implement, but they can't they can't because of uh, because it's not on their um, roadmaps. Um, that that's the usually the time that people have to to, to implement them. Um, other than that, we try to be be very um uh to to incentivize uh people to de to demonstrate what they're working on so we we can also not only spread the uh the, the technology that we are working but also the results um and why things are, are interesting so and this is actually very interesting for uh to to uh, spread the knowledge between teams um uh, so if a team is doing something interesting we uh, they usually demo it, and uh, we evaluate if it's good for us as well. And and yeah, and of course, like we, uh, if at least in my company, we usually uh, have a um, we have a lot of courses uh, uh, online or, or on site that are uh, that are available, and you can take them uh, anytime you want. Um, um, so so yeah, I think. Um, there are a lot of initiatives, and, and I think when you have these initiatives, and you actually um, incentivize people to work on them, uh, sorry, to to take part on them, 
uh, I think it kind of creates a, a culture of, of constant, constant, constant learning. Uh, not, not, it, it's actually interesting because you, you don't feel like you're just crunching, uh, crunching code. You're actually learning uh, uh, on the way. Yeah, exactly. I like the idea of kind of the buddy system pairing up with somebody who might not be as competent in the same area. And then also the, the idea of kind of presenting your ideas. Uh, yeah, it was two interesting points. Thank you. Um, moving on to the next question, Matthias, to start with you. Um, so how do you cultivate a culture of system or design thinking within a team or an organization? Um, and what I mean by that is if there's a problem or a bug, not going straight to the bug, but to think about the overall system and interacting components. Yeah, so um, I think here the most important thing is to understand that system thinking does not magically happen by simply using that, like saying that we're using that. It requires an awareness of system designs that comes a bit with experience that lets you like uh, shift your perspective when observing a problem I mean, to the bigger picture, right? So around that, I think we should build uh, a culture of system thinking then, making usage of practices such as uh, code reviews, documenting and acting on technical depth and extensive mentoring so we can have uh, the system thinking culture implemented. So I think it goes like, I mean, a bit, uh, complementary to what Vinicius said, like in the previous topic, that we we need to foster that, like I mean, by budding people with each other, like by 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 doing more, by by, by spreading knowledge, so people can get to that level in which uh, changing the perspective is possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good points. Thanks, Matthias. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts on the subject? Yeah. So as kind of Matthias was saying, it's uh, really a case of you can have a document and a policy that's written that says, oh, we follow these steps or we follow this system design thinking so that when we come across a problem, this is how we approach it and that we look at the entire system. But it's uh, it's really a thing that you have to instill in your team from the early stages of forming your team or hiring people or at any one of those points so that it's something that you can get your team to have ingrained in them so it is at the very base of how they approach the system so that they know that when you come across something that you're going to be looking at all the factors that may have led to that problem not just looking at the problem going oh i need to fix that problem like right now and get it sorted and get it out of the way and that they'll actually take that knowledge and time to go and dig into why that problem was caused or how the problem was caused or how you could avoid that problem in the future yeah and have you kind of found any kind of ways to promote that kind of the buy-in to that thought process or no honestly that's still that's something that i'm actually just coming up against now which is why i kind of have that knowledge of how how i instill that within the team so i think a lot of it kind of comes down to having a clear understanding of what the system actually is in its entirety so that you have all the components and all of the pieces that plug in together and that your team starts to understand how everything works together is how you'll start to build that out. So having a good understanding of your system at a base layer and then understanding how they should attack having code issues or having bug, ex bug fixes that they need to find or having bugs that they need to find, having that out there like, base level of knowledge will be how I would be approaching it. Yeah, that makes sense. And get a good understanding of the system beforehand. 
And thanks, um, Alex and Vinny. What are your thoughts on the subject? Um, yeah. So, um, I, I think um, I, I I don't know. I think the the, the biggest thing um, when you think when you when you think about um, a culture of of um, uh, of system thinking or design thinking instead of just uh, fixing bugs, I think it's very clear, it's very important to have it, to have clear what 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 where are the bars or uh, where's where's the um, uh, the quality bar. Um, and I think, uh, like I, I spent some time working on 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 a few companies that we we don't have it very clearly aligned. It's, it's actually very hard to to know. Okay, how 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 much time can I actually um, spend on 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 a solution? So, uh, in my team right now, we stress over availability, we stress over performance, uh, we, and we stress uh, over uh, operational excellence. And what what this means is that uh we we don't uh we 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 don't like usually or oh, the trade-offs between um these pillars and uh and and a quick fix are, are very very clear it, it sorry let, let me rephrase myself um because we have it very clear we don't uh we don't often uh just ship uh any solutions that are, are not compliant to 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 the quality to bot to the um, quality to the bar quality sorry the, to the quality that we set or where we set the bar um, so I, I, this is like the the main to me it's the the most important thing having having the bar very clear I think another another aspect is that um, we only manage to um, to spend the, the necessary time to work on solutions that are uh, that that. That they have, they have this, this amount of quality. It's just it's because we have the time to work on them. And that means that um, leadership, uh, for example, my, my manager or my or or the, or senior managers, they know that we need to spend some time working on on proper uh, solution, and they usually don't uh, rush engineers to to get quick fixes unless it's uh, completely necessary to do so. Uh, so usually when these things happen, we have our ways to track we we have uh we create technical debts we um uh, revisit them every now and then through um uh or um backlog refinement meetings and through and, and over our planning so it's it it we we have like the, all these ways to um revisit technical debt when the when when it when it shows but I think the, the most important thing is that we are very clear as a team that we don't want to ship junk. We we want to think: is this necessarily the, the right thing to do? Um, and and it's it's very it's very clear for us uh, when when it's time to implement them. Thanks, Vinny. Uh, do you mean like maybe kind of the bureaucracy of an organization will get in the way of kind of working on another topic, or it's more so that you would delegate the work to somebody else? Um, I, I didn't get a question. What, what, what do you mean? Have the time to address a problem. Is that more like a bureaucratic thing where it might be for another department and you it, might not get it? Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm just saying this because I, I worked in a few other places that uh, usually solutions had to be delivered fast because time to market is a very important thing, especially for. Um, smaller companies that don't have the resources of, of a big company. Um, so time to market is very important to them and they 
they accept the risks of um, shipping software that might not be like as optimized or as scalable as um, software that that we write today. Uh, but again, it's it's more about um, it, it's it's a just just a, a, a different culture. Um, time constraints right. mainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, time time to market to just to have solutions ready for for people to to get early adopters is actually a very important thing for smaller companies. But um, bigger companies have more resources to properly implement them at scale. Okay, very good. And uh, thanks for that, Benny. I'll pass it back to Donald. Uh, yeah, just to get to get to our next question. So I'll probably start with you, Alex, if that's okay. So um, a couple of examples um, in terms of ethical dilemmas that I can think of. One was in the uh, the book that everybody's read when there was a military project planned, and then I think in recent memory, uh, on a larger scale, you could you could uh, say the same about uh, Google dropping out of the competition for the Jedi cloud computing contract. I think it was back in two thousand and eighteen. So. The question is this, have you ever been confronted with an ethical dilemma in a project and how did you approach it? Uh, no, thankfully I have not had to come across that yet. Um, I would probably, I suppose a lot of people would probably consider that like if you come across an ethical dilemma, it depends on where you are in the chain of leadership. Uh, like do you have a manager who's saying, oh, you have to do it this way or else you're fired kind of thing or else there'll be consequences. How much choice do you actually have in that? Um, I would like to believe that I myself would follow my own personal compass in that. Uh, so I would do whatever I felt was ethically correct. It kind of ties into that kind of feeling of like, if you have come across this issue, what do you do? Like, can you go ahead and commit to doing the right thing? Or... You just kind of let it slide. Yeah, and and I, I yeah, I think I see where you're coming from. We've recently had something, I suppose, in Facebook as well around whistleblowing, and you know there isn't a protection for those people who actually stand up to maybe uh, large corporations or governments. So, Mateus, can I can I put that question to you as well around um, any ethical dilemmas you might have had, uh, or indeed in the examples we've spoken of, how you think you would approach it? Yeah, so um, I'm glad that I mean that you mentioned the Facebook abuse because I mean I haven't been part of any ethical dilemmas considering like breaches or big organization stuff. But I have seen more abuse happening in a previous job at the beginning of my career and then eventually left the company because of that. I wonder now, like, I mean, being more experienced, if I could have done more, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that uh, you keep thinking about that. And I think it puts you in a complicated position because you, you don't know what to do. Like you think about your job security and, and things like that, but uh, of course it shouldn't be tolerated and, and we should do more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I agree. And then finally, uh, Vinicius, uh, any thoughts on that? I, I think I'm in the same boat. Like I never, I never been confronted with with such a dilemma. Um, I think I might be, uh, I might have been very lucky on all companies, especially um, even even the, the the smaller ones. For I, um, that I, I never was exposed to any of this. But I think I agree with Alex here. It it it, it kind of depends where you are on the chain of leadership uh, i think as 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 you go up on on the ladder i think you get exposed to more of these things but uh, mostly because of your visibility over the over the company um uh, but me myself i never i never been uh, exposed to any of this i uh, i don't know uh, i think i i would just follow 
my uh, my own um, my my own values. I, th- I think that that there is actually actually another um, uh, another interesting aspect of that. I, I think mo- most of us are not exposed to that because companies have very strict guidelines on uh, what's tolerable or what's tolerated and, and what's not in terms of um, uh, in terms of uh, like. Uh, the intellectual property or in terms of um it, it they have very strict guidelines on, on on this kind of thing so i think having having processor it doesn't remove the 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 chance of, of these of uh unethical things happening but i think at least um it it kind of um um alleviates uh alleviates it a bit yeah i, I understand yeah okay yeah so in the interest of time i'm just going to move on i have one extra question here so um i'll probably start with you uh Mateus, just in terms of, of balance. So um, back to the idea of conflict. So, you know, if in terms of a design idea, would you ever disagree with uh, other uh, members of the project team, for example, on the design idea? Um, or to ask this another way, another way, how would you deal with design conflict on a project? Well, uh, how can I put it? Like, I think uh, you should have like some uh, team standards and company standards to to help solve these type of situations. Again, like, I mean, getting back to, to what I suggested at the beginning, I think mediation can be important in these cases. So if you like are two senior engineers like proposing different designs, you could have like an architect like participating like on the discussion to to get like I mean to to, to act as a mediator between the, the two engineers, uh, understanding the good points of each of the solutions and helping that conversation. Uh, sometimes the conflict happens uh, just because of like uh, the way people communicate like i mean so uh i guess they might have like interesting uh bits on, on each solution that could be uh rearranged like i mean so so we get to the optimal solution or like one so if, if one solution is clearly better like better it's important that the other person understands why uh, the other solution is better and it needs to be uh, clear like to them why the choice was for the the other one Okay, very good. Understood. So, Alex, maybe do you have any any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Sorry, could you just repeat the? Yeah, I can, part? of course. Yeah. So, so the question uh, was to do with uh, conflict and you know design ideas. So, would you ever disagree on a design idea within the team itself? And if you do, how do you kind of work around that? How do you work through that conflict? Yeah. Um. I think um, Matt had actually brought this up in the initial question where uh, conflict actually can lead to better design in some cases so i haven't necessarily disagreed with any designs from the team yet but it is definitely something i would guess would come will come up eventually because it's design everyone has their own opinions on it in most cases but i would try and look at it um try and get the team to look at them objectively and without feeling of like oh i designed that piece i'd like that piece to be involved kind of thing and look at them objectively so that you can break it down into what would work best for the system and for uh the customer which i think Vinny had actually mentioned earlier as well is that like what would work best for the customer and the system that you're making and then kind of just work with the team and try and decide how we get to the point of which design should take precedence yeah, that's interesting. I, I think it's related to proofs of concept and, and everything, right? Like, I mean, we try to do that. Like, I mean, it's not every company that will allow you to do that, but I, I think it, it's 
it's a good uh, rationale there that we should uh, use the ideation phase of projects uh, for this purpose. Like I mean, and have like I mean, uh, uh, this like I mean, certain code allowing people to to run wildly. Like I mean, so it, it's I guess like I mean, like designing thinking uh, says like I mean, you should have like these dark horse solutions, right? So. I think and, and see if they work better. Uh, they might work better than than the solution that we have thought before. So yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean that the ideation phase is for that purpose, and that we should encourage uh, uh, this type of conflict uh, until it's like uh, until it gets to unhealthy uh, situation. But uh, while it's healthy, I guess uh, that would be important. I think um, given my my own experience, what we see working is uh we 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 are very uh free to give ideas on what can on on the things that we want to to build but usually design is done by either a person or or um some some people it's usually not a, a team wide um a team wide effort that being said um we never we usually don't ship services or we usually don't ship features without um having this uh, designs properly reviewed, and uh, when I say review, I I I I mean the design design review and uh, security review, business review, um, just to make sure that what we're building is uh, what matters, what what's important. Because it's it's like the the amount of investment that we have during the idea phase is actually a very very small uh, investment. But when it comes to implementation and maintenance and operating the services, that this is where um, our our costs uh, gets really high. So, um, as I said, design is usually done by either one person or uh, some uh, some some people, uh, but usually not a team wide um, effort. So yeah, I suppose like not being afraid to criticize the design without personally attacking someone over the design. Um, so like knowing, I suppose that will come down to like how the team kind of functions, but I would very much prefer having the confidence to be open about the designs and understanding that any criticisms that are made are not made about you personally. Um, and that like being open to learning any, anything and everything that may help the team. So like you may join a team with a specific goal in mind. Um, and then kind of over the next couple of months as you're trying to work towards that goal, things may start to change. And then the team starts to realize actually, well, this is great. We feel we can be even better. And then just not being afraid to try and learn to progress with the team rather than just saying, oh no, I, this, this is what I was brought in for and this is what I'm going to do. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. Uh, anybody else before uh, we close? Yeah, I, I just just one, one thing, especially for, for future generations. I think like m most of the stuff that we, we discussed here, uh, we, we can summarize on uh, basically on what, what what's the best for, for customers. I think usually uh, it, it's very easy to forget about why we're creating software and why we're uh, creating uh, these systems, but they're used ultimately to um, help people do their job or to improve people's lives. So having this on the back of our minds is 
uh, usually what um, helps, uh, especially what helps me, uh, and I think it's something that we, we all need to be uh, very aware of. Okay, excellent. Um, so I think that, that concludes our, our questions for today. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you.